Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Eiton, as always with my co-host, Todd Atkins. Good morning. Oh, that was different than normal. I'm trying to mix it up. <laughs> Love it. Um, today we are joined by uh, Jeff Darwithful, um, who is the Executive Director of the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention, or also known as ECAP. Jeff has had leadership experience in public safety, higher education, non-governmental organizations, and parachurch ministries. He also served as a Vice President at Southern Seminary and is the owner of Lumino Global Consulting and Coaching. Jeff, we are so glad to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Dan. Hello, Todd. Great to be with you all. Tell us a little bit more about what you do with ECAP. Sure. So we created uh, Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention several years ago in response to abuse, sexual abuse in particular, uh, in evangelical communities and ministries. And we wanted to come alongside of ministry leaders and help them create safe places for kids to hear the gospel and grow in discipleship. So that's really the heart of who we are. We're really focused on prevention and uh, we serve Christian churches, schools, and other ministries across the country and around the world. So can you break that down a little bit more? I know ECAP. I know you, which is, you know, we've gotten to know each other pretty well, which is why we wanted to have you on. How is this different than a, you know, child safety and security course or ministry safe or something somebody might be familiar with that a lot of churches will use for abuse prevention? But but what is... Like, how does ECAP do this? Sure. Uh, talk to a little bit, a little bit more about the vision of that. Sure. Well, we identified two gaps in the uh, evangelical community in this area. Number one is a knowledge gap. We wanted ministry leaders to know exactly what to do to keep kids safe. And so the answer to that is the child safety standards that we spent uh, two and a half years developing through COVID, uh, ran it through a fairly rigorous legal review. And so those standards are the basis of an accreditation program. And that was another gap that we had identified that the knowledge of what to do to keep kids safe in a ministry context was, you know, circulating through awareness and, you know, books like Dr. Debac Raju's book on guard and other, um, other work, like you mentioned, Ministry Safe, and there's others, uh, Protect My Ministry and Presidium and others that do that sort of training. But what we saw missing was really a management issue or a gap there that the knowledge would turn into action items, like actually implementing a child protection program based on these standards. So that's the accreditation program where we're looking through an audit process to to verify that those measures have been put in place. That's awesome. It's really important for the church and excited for the work that you're doing and to learn more as we have our uh, five leadership questions today. So Todd, why don't you kick us off with question one? So you've had various and sundry roles over the years. Where are you currently learning? Like, who are you learning from and what are you learning lately? You know, I don't know where it was first instilled in me, but I was taught early on in my leadership experience that leaders are readers. And so just a constant, almost insatiable desire to to learn. So podcasts and books and mentors, men in my life who've discipled me. Honestly, I think of Dr. Mueller in the 10 years that I was at Southern Seminary. His book, Conviction to Lead, is, is one of my you know number one top 
leadership books that I've ever read. Recently, I've been learning more from our friends at ECFA, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, and just recently completed the book Trust that Dan Busby wrote uh, several years ago. Dan was uh, the previous president of ECFA, has since passed away, but really left a rich legacy of helping Christian leaders understand stewardship and the importance of trust in their context. So I'm, you know, regularly listening to podcasts and um, get a steady stream of podcasts and other uh, sources, probably like you all, I keep, you know, I keep my Amazon wish list uh, updated with books that I want to read. And honestly, I end up with more books that I can, I'm sure you're the same, same way, but more books <laughs> that I can actually keep up with. So try, constantly prioritizing uh, that stream of, of knowledge and, and learning. So is there something in the last year that's more of a general leadership outside of your area of specialty, but is there something that, is there a book or an article or an episode of a podcast or something that you would say, man, everybody who's listening to this podcast needs to go pick this up? Mm, that's a great question. That's a great question. So one thing in the last year, I mean, I would just, I, I could double click on this, uh, this book, Trust, um, also listening to a new podcast uh, from Anchored Hope, This Versus That. So I was just traveling here. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky today, uh, where I lived for 10 years. And uh, Anchored Hope has this new podcast uh, that I've been listening. They're featuring Courtney Moore, and she's talking about just the importance of a work-life balance. Um, you know, we've been kind of in this startup mode, and it really hit home for me on the importance of balancing and, and making sure as a matter of stewardship that I'm dedicating the, the right amount of time to, yes, the work that God's called me to do, but also to my family. I'm an elder in my church and uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a pretty driven guy and uh, finding that balance can be difficult. So it was a really, really helpful reminder for me. You mentioned um, being in the startup phase, but as you as you lead ECAP right now, what's one of the you know kind of main points of emphasis for your leadership team that you're kind of leading through right now? Yeah, you know, it's really about uh, strategy and vision for a new organization. As we bring on team members, we just hired super sharp communications director and, and not to pick on her at all. But just as as we've launched our program in January and as we're moving forward, making sure that our talking points, our messaging, the tone of uh, our organization are really all on point. Uh, we're all uh, remote uh, and spread out all over the country. And so making sure that we're keeping the team on the same messaging, on the same mission, vision, and values is really, really important. You know, you could go create a strategic plan. You know, I've done that a number of times. Um, and the danger there is that it lives on your computer drive, you know. Um, but to bring that strategic plan to life and to implement it and then coach the team towards that, right? We all make mistakes and we kind of get off script. It. And so to, to coach them to make sure that social media and when we're exhibiting, like we were just at D6 in Orlando earlier this week, um, and uh, making sure that we're all, you know, on point to advance our mission is really, really important. But honestly, that's really leadership all the time. I just am feeling it in the startup phase that it's super important uh, to, to coach my team and to lead them through uh, that alignment process. Is there something in particular that you've learned in this startup phase that is new or different than your experience before. I mean, you've, you've led a lot of strategic initiatives uh, at 
you know, larger institutions as well. So I'm wondering what that's like, you know, because over here, you're, you're kind of on your own <laughs> a little bit more. What have you learned about leading a startup in this, I don't know, in this period of time? Scrappy. That's the one word scrappy. You know, it is just always limited resources, right? I mean, frankly, most of Christian ministry, we never have the resources that we really wish we had to accomplish the mission. And so I would say uh, dependence on the Lord, a dependence for his provision in his time that we've worked so hard to establish standards, to build an accreditation program, to run trials of that to uh, bring people along in this process. You know, a lot of what we're doing is fairly complex, legal in nature, and um, and even just delicate in the nature of abuse. Um, it's new. This has never been done before. And uh, it's been extremely difficult. But I would say trust in the Lord and dependence on Him and His provision and His timing. Nothing that we've done was Jeff's master plan. It was entirely uh, God's timing on all of this. I'd love to, to follow back up, too, with you saying that, you know, you basically have just started this probably. Has it been since COVID? Is that fair to say? So we started in 2019, um, right around the Caring Well Conference that ERLC hosted okay. in the Dallas area. Uh, and so right through COVID, we were doing development, you know, meeting on Zoom with our attorneys and other folks, experts around child safety. And then we just launched the full program in January. As you have, you know, said that most of your people are remote work right now, how has that been to build a culture of a team when you don't necessarily have that one building you guys are all going to? I feel like it's rare. I mean, you're in a unique situation where, you know, you've kind of got started right before COVID and then launched into COVID and have kept going. Is there, you know, any tips or tricks that you've kind of learned on how to lead well for a, a group that's spread across the country? I'm still learning that. I got to be honest with you. So we just all uh, were together in Orlando and I really fought hard to make sure that we're going to, we're going to be there, but it was challenging, right? You've got logistics, you've got, you know, we've got responsibilities to be at the booth and to exhibit and to network and connect. Um, so I've really w has been fighting hard for that in-person times, even if that's just over meals, there's just something about remote work and zoom where you kind of pop in there's kind of this expectation we're here to accomplish this agenda, this purpose. And so, you know, I just really, really value the just unscripted, unplanned collaboration that takes place. I mean, when I was at Southern Seminary, honestly, I look back at that season of, of my leadership and career and really, I think I appreciate it now more than ever that we were all on the same campus. Um, I know you all can re relate at LifeWay, but uh, but yeah, just really working hard to bring that team together to talk, to collaborate, to work out issues. There's some of these things that you just have to be in the same room together to be able to challenge to to, uh, to work on the organization, not just in the organization. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. When you think about what you have to do daily now, I'm sure it's different than it was, you know, three years ago. So, what are two or three things that you have to do daily other than the spiritual disciplines, you know, and we'll kick those answers out. Um, Cause you know, you, you know that you're supposed to be doing that, but other yes, than sir. those, what are a couple of things that you have to do every day to stay sharp and to stay, to, to make sure that you are 
executing well. Yeah, it's not rocket science, what I'm about to say. It's just constant communication with the team, you know, because we're remote. So I'm constantly calling them, checking in on them, um, just regular communication. I can be uh, just busy with appointments all day long, and I value the, the time just calling a team member and checking in on them and asking how they're doing personally and and what can I do to support because you know as a leader we're casting this vision and we have this mission and I'm giving responsibilities and I'm not a micromanager even in this early stage right there's a little bit more connection time that needs to take place as I'm coaching them and bringing them along with what whatever they're they're working on right but just checking in I really want to cast a vision kind of point them in the right direction and then get out of the way and let them go lead whatever their area of responsibility is. And so uh, the danger there is that they go off and they're doing their thing and then we get you know misaligned, right? Something happens. And so I work extra hard, maybe not daily, but every couple of days reaching out to them. How are you doing? How can I support you in the work that you're doing? Uh, what questions do you have? What resources do you need? And uh, just to encourage them and just be available. I think that's really, really important, but also super simple, right? So when I think of, uh, when I, when I think of what you said here, it is true, going back to earlier conversation, that proximity helps and proximity is important. However, I think proximity sometimes gives the illusion of connection, the illusion of it's almost like a, a curse of familiarity, True. Mm -hmm. Owen, that we're all on the same page. Um, and what have you learned about leading intentionally when a team is dispersed? You know, what does it look like, for instance, when early on in any endeavor, there's going to be course corrections, maybe more than when things are, you know, a system that's up and running and humming. There's a lot of course corrections along the way. How do you do that with a disparate team? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It's just constantly reviewing priorities. That's that's actually one of the things that we do. When So I mentioned that regular connection with them, right? Talking with them every couple of days and really reviewing together the list of organizational priorities that we have and constantly having to say no to things that could be really, really good things, right? Oh my goodness, I'd love to do X, Y, and Z, go and be at that event. But either we don't have the, the resources, the time, whatever it is. And so I'm doing that for my own sake, but I'm also doing that for the team as the organizational leader constantly communicating and prioritizing and reprioritizing because things are very dynamic and in a startup things don't well i guess it happens all the time not just in a startup right things don't always go according to plan and i think that's probably something else that i'm learning as i get older is more and more flexibility you know a mentor of mine would use the term you know we plan in pencil and give god the eraser you know which is just a cute little line right but just to, that's that's i can say that and in an hour be very frustrated and that's really the test for me of flexibility is how you know, bent out of shape do I get when things don't go my plan, my way or how we had planned it. And so I think the regular prioritization is really important. The flexibility and trust in the Lord, uh, that is something that I have not figured out, but I'm still learning and growing. And I've got great people and great example in my life who help me and hold me accountable to that. What does, switching gears a little bit, what does leadership in your home look like for you? Mm, presence. 
presence. So I've got uh, four kids. My son, JJ, is about to go up to college. He's headed to Palm Beach Atlantic. We live in Jacksonville, Florida. And then I've got three daughters. And just being there um, at this season of, of life is really, really important. And that, again, that balance is key because of travel and other responsibilities uh, just to be there. My wife is also fantastic. Um, Crystal, she and I have a wonderful marriage. We've been married for 21 years and uh, I could not do the ministry that I'm doing without uh, her love, support, and leadership as well in the home. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful to have a great wife. And uh, I think just being there, you know, um, it doesn't always have to cost money. You don't always have to go out to eat. It can be a creative time of just, just being in the same room together. Um, but at this age, I think the experiences are really important. And so one of the ways I like to provide leadership in my home, with example for sure, as I'm thinking about it, you know, modeling Christ likeness, modeling good leadership uh, through presence and even through my words intentionally and then creating those kind of shared experiences. Actually, uh, when we moved away from Louisville, I remember having lunch. Uh, we were at Mark's Feed Store with uh, Dr. And Mrs. Moeller, and uh, we were having this very this very conversation about the importance of those shared experiences. You know, kids often want things. You know, they're, they, they're regularly, you know, hey, Dad, can I buy this? Can I buy that? But at this age, those shared experiences are really, really important, making those memories together before they go off to college. Yeah, that's great. I, I've, I'm in the stage where I've got young kids where all they want is snacks. So uh, <laughs> trying to teach them more than that is, is, is hard to do. <laughs> I appreciate the snacks. It is true, though, because you remember uh, those experiences. And I feel like they produce a relational deposit that is very valuable in the life of a, of, of a child. Um, and very valuable in the life of a family overall. Those shared experiences are important and something that can really bring them together down the road. When you think of your 20-year-old self, if you go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self about leading? Oh, this is such a great question. Uh, so I'm 47 years old. You didn't ask, but there you go. So that 20-year-old self, <laughs> that was a few years ago, right? And it's really funny. This morning, I was uh, in the Louisville airport, and I took a picture of a payphone. It actually had yellow pages attached and it was inserted upside down, but it was dated September 2010. So I just think back to my 20 year old self that, you know, probably had a pager and had to go use pay phones, you know, but anyways, so what would I say? You know, I, I would say I, I need to know what you were doing uh, with a pager. That <laughs> that's for a different podcast. I'm not too far off of that age, sir. And uh, <laughs> do you remember when alphanumeric? What you were doing? The alphanumeric technology came out. Do you remember that? Dan has no idea what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I, I had a pager. <laughs> you did. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It for... was just so that my parents could let us know to call them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So sorry. That was uh, that was a, a reminder of uh, of the a bygone era. Like, what is a pay? I literally sent the picture to my kids. I'm like, this is a pay phone and these are yellow pages. Uh, so what would I say to my 20 year old self? That's a great question. You know, the relationship piece is really important to me. I think really the magic happens through relationships and it's easy as a driven leader to just charge forward with the, the mission and to not slow down a little bit and to remember the relationships along the way. If I can word it in just a slightly different way, I would say God 
is calling us to whatever mission, whatever your calling might be, right? He's got you for this season of life in a certain spot. And yes, that, that mission's important, but how you go about accomplishing that mission is as important, I would argue, as accomplishing that mission. So for example, and as I'm talking about relationships, I think how we interact with each other in a God-honoring way, um, caring for each other, encouraging, inspiring, investing, in the people that God has put in our path is super important. And I think as a 20 year old leader, you know, I was pretty driven. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's about advancing the mission and making things happen. And I think I, I would have encouraged myself 20 years ago to slow down a little bit and to enjoy the journey and to trust the Lord and to enjoy the people that were, that were around me um, at that time and between then and now. So, 20 years from now, what would you want somebody to say of you? Or like if, if we could fast forward 20 years from now, give me that answer. What does that look like? I think that's really what drives me is faithfulness. I want, and I know it sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it really drives everything that I do. I want to stand before King Jesus and be counted a faithful servant. And uh, I have one life. I've, we all do, right? We have one life. There's no reset. It's not a video game where I can just, you know, go back and start over again. There's one life. And I want to be able to finish my life. So I, you say 20 years from now, so I'll be 67 years old. I don't believe in the concept of like American retirement, you know, RVing across the country. Um, so I think what, what life will most likely look like for my wife and I, if the Lord gives me 20 more years, is a different season. You know, there's probably grandkids and, and again, time spent with them. But I want to be faithful in every aspect of my life. I really believe, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm saying this to myself more than anything else, but it's easy as humans to compartmentalize life and say, oh, I go to work over here and I worship over here and all of this. But I really believe that God's calling us to worship in every aspect. And so even a moment ago, as I would go back to my 20-year-old self and say, you know, slow down and, and worship the Lord through what we're doing, through through those relationships, um, I would also want that same type of uh, follow-up uh, in in twenty years to say, you know, I was faithful uh, to honor the Lord. Character is super important. The relationships that God puts in our life, um, yes, there's a mission to accomplish. God's called us to certain things for sure, um, but I want to be I want to be counted as faithful. Jeff, I want to ask one more um, just question for you. You're doing such important work at ECAP to prevent abuse in churches. How can a church, you know, or a leader listening to this get connected with you guys and learn more about, you know, what you guys are doing with ECAP? Sure. Sure. Glad to serve. Um, we're here to serve. Um, that is our desire is to come alongside of ministry leaders, pastors, school leaders. Maybe there's a Christian camp somewhere in America that needs help thinking through uh, child protection. We have free resources on our website. Uh, go to ECAP. Dot net, so it's ecap.net uh, for a free resources on what to like, how do I know that the kids in my ministry when right when their parents drop them off, how do I know that we're doing what we need to be doing to keep them safe, right? So that they can hear the gospel, so they can grow in discipleship, so we can get on with the ministry that we're called to do. One of the attorneys that we've worked with uses this language. Sexual abuse is a ministry ender. 
And so because, you know, I'm not a vocational pastor, I'm an organizational leader. And my calling, thinking of trellis and the vine, is to help ministry leaders get this right so that they can get on with the calling of the Great Commission that they're called to do. And so it's really a privilege to be a part of a fantastic team. There's been about 20, 25 people who've come together to make this possible, working with insurance companies and ACSI and dear, dear friends across the country who've helped bring this ministry to life. I would say stewardship. If you're a ministry leader and you provide direct ministry programs to children or youth, um, take stock and evaluate, is my ministry a safe place for kids? Um, what are the checks and balances to ensure that this isn't just a fad that we're creating right now because of the you know headlines and the evangelical press, but that this is something that we'll, we are committed to and we will sustain for years to come. So check out our website, ecap.net. There's checklists and tools and more information, tons of resources there uh, to serve the church in the U.S. and around the world. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on the podcast. Um, if you have been listening to this and you think it's helpful, um, we encourage you to share this with a friend or coworker. And as always, if you like what you listen to, uh, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And we hope to see you on our next episode.